Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant into the final 10 players now to discuss that I think are the most relevant, noteworthy players. Let's be honest, we just got to talk about this preseason. Tom Titch Mitchell is who we're discussing on this episode. And it's great to have back fellow co-founder of the Coaches Panel, Rids. Hello, mate. How are you? Mate, what a big one to start with into the top 10, eh? Over the past probably five or six years of fantasy footy, there has been not many bigger names. There's maybe bigger seasons from players, but not many bigger names than this 28-year-old Hawthorne midfielder. Last year, we started to see the re-emergence of that dominant 2018 season. Last year, his top score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, it's a monster. 171, while uh, in Supercoach, it was a 157 against the Collingwood Football Club. Both, it's crazy to feel. Uh, Don't even hold a candle to what he did back in 2018. He's got 190-plus scores as career-high averages. The 195 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team against the Giants, while a 192 against Carlton in Supercoach. Last year, averages of 115.5 in DT and AF, while a 117 in Supercoach. In that format, he's setting you back just under 640K, just a touch under 670,000 in AFL Fantasy, while he is $685,600 in Dream Team. And We've had some pretty phenomenal fantasy football players over the past decade, haven't we, Rids? It's Gary Ablett, Dane Swan, Tom Rockliffe. And I think by the time that Tom Mitchell hangs up the footy boots, he'll be regarded, certainly amongst fantasy football coaches, as one of the greatest ever fantasy players. Yeah, I, I, he's absolute royalty. Like, he's as good as they come. So, so Eddie's consistent. Like, when he moved to Hawthorne, he just took it to a new level, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, we've still got 2022 to go. And this is the most intriguing year, I think, of the Tom Mitchell journey so far. So, but, I mean, he has to be top 10, doesn't he? Really, he's he's done enough work. He's going to be relevant almost any time he gets it. Like, you know, he's able to be selected by teams in a fantasy aspect. So this guy is just an absolute ball magnet. He's phenomenal at what he does. He ranked first in the AFL per games for handballs, disposals, effective disposals, and uncontested possessions per game. He's a dominant ball winner. He's elite in so many scoring columns that I could spend the next 10 minutes on the podcast explaining what makes him elite. But from a fantasy football perspective last year, over the year, it looks good. But when you drill into the numbers, it gets even better. He scored 19 AFL fantasy and dream team tons last year. Yeah, yeah. That's not a typo in my voice. 19 tons, 10 over 120 and five monster 130 plus scores and he had just the three games under 100 all year and nothing below 71 before the hawks buy 
he was doing okay. He averaged 105. That's fine. However, over the final 11 games of the year, his lowest score was a 105 and he averaged 126. By the end of last year in fantasy, he was ranked fifth overall for averages and points and only Steele, Miller, Lyons and McRae were better off than him. While in Supercoach, he ranked top 10 for points and averages 17 times, nine over 128 over 130. That is the comfortable captaincy range you want to be in that format, including that 171. And again, a similar scoring pattern of pre-buy and post-buy. Pre-buy, six tons and an average of 105. Gone fine. Post-buy. Round 13 onwards, the final 11 games, tons every week, a lowest of 110 and an average of 128.6. That's starting to get back to what he did in 2018 when he averaged 129 across the formats. He, he, I don't know if we can talk him up anymore. This guy is just a beast when it comes to fantasy. And the surprising thing for me was I've always seen him as DTAF relevant Mm. um, and one that I could go without in Supercoach. But last year, especially after that buy, he just took it to a new level. Like, so I suppose that's why. I mean, we've talked to all the good stuff, and we're yeah. going to have some intriguing conversations shortly, I believe, you know. Yeah. Especially He's... when it comes to a rebound in team, isn't it really with a new coach, slightly older guy, gone heavy attack in the draft with the midfield guys yeah. coming through. Like, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of positives. Yep. Tom Mitchell is an absolute gun. If he plays the right position, he gets the minutes and stays on the park, he's averaging points. Yeah, without doubt. He's he's super destructive. He is the kind of player that could take a season away from you in six to eight weeks. He's just that good. His ceiling and frequency of ceiling is just that big. You could build a case that no one could go with him. Um, including the Steels, the Millers, the McRae's, the Grundies, the Gorns. You can build a case that he's got a frequency of ceiling better than them. But what you said is ultimately the greatest tension point for coaches. It is the first time at Hawthorne for Tom Mitchell we have seen a level of uncertainty. And I think the uncertainty is in two areas, mate. And I'm keen to get your take on both. What are the cattle that Sam Mitchell chooses to use, especially through the midfield? How much rebuild and blooding of the kids do they go? And then the second is when a new coach walks in, a new game style emerges. And will that be friendly to Titch or not? Yeah. um, So, I mean, really, we're just going to have to wait and see. But they've got some really good kids in the draft, don't they? Josh Ward, absolute gun. Connor McDonald. You know, absolute midfield, pure. Like, and then they've got the guys like Warple. So there yeah, is an true. aspect, there's a part of me that goes, well, do Hawthorne go, you know what? We're going to hand the baton over while Completely. we've got this honeymoon period, period. Yeah. But, I mean, if they were going to do that, I think they would have traded him at the end of last year. Yeah, they almost so, would have just fully squeezed him out, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so I'm sort of, I'm sort of, both ways on this one. I think because the midfield rotations, they got guys like um, Liam Shills, okay, who are getting yeah. slightly older. 
a Jager O'Meara potentially can play a better um, versatile role on the wing or a half yeah. forward or a half back than what That's Tom true. Mitchell will. I just don't think Tom Mitchell has a lot of other positions. Like, no, I think that's fair. I just, I think he's just really just a pure mid. Like, so I'm actually really, really intrigued. And this guy actually attracts the ball. So I was really intrigued, though. And I, mm. I didn't go heavy, heavy deep into analysis or anything like that. But I see a couple of really interesting. How can I say it? Not fearful matches, but yes. more than difficult matches in the first five to seven rounds, you know? So I'm looking at North Melbourne round one. They've, they're the type of team that would love to upstage Carlton and potentially could look at playing very accountable in the midfield. Mm-hmm. They've got a team like Carlton. Now, what's how's George Hewitt going to play? Is he going to play a little bit of an accountable role? That's mm-hmm. not quite like Ed Kerno. Yep. Now, now we look at Geelong. Round five, so, yep. Yeah, so I mean, one of the um, things that we didn't see much of it last year was um, the Irishman being Mark like tagging. Yeah. yeah, well, he became a tagger in the midfield, and from all reports, he's going okay in this preseason. Mm. And then we've got Melbourne, which is in round seven. So I just think it's um, it's not a difficult or a fearful Draw. I just think it's an intriguing draw, and I'd love to watch it. So, I think this decision comes down to: Can were you starting, or were yeah. you planning to upgrade to him? And at what stage through the year do you want to bring him in? Because, like, That's I it. mean, long story short, MJ, how many times have we said this over the years? When the kids come in, they get yep. tired after a while. Without you need question. these types of guys, and they're going to run home pretty well, I reckon. You know, you need a Tom Mitchell to pretty much get them get the team through the preseason, get the team yep. through the full season, yeah. and then build in and enter the twenty twenty three preseason. And that's going to be the biggest one for a rebuilding team like um, Hawthorne, I would have thought. So I. I think whilst there's question marks, I don't think they're really relevant at this point in time. Yeah, they're not so ones that that it turns you away from looking at Tom Mitchell as an upgrade. So if at the start of the year, your narrative is, I actually want to see what this midfield mix looks like. We don't get a lot of viewing in the preseason at teams. And even then, some of the defensive work rate and pressure is nowhere near the level and intensity of what we see in an actual game. But you're right. You look at some of these games, round one, North Melbourne, round three, I think it was, or round five against Geelong last yeah, year. Round three, Carlton. Round three, Carlton. One. Um, Two of his three lowest scores came against Geelong and North Melbourne last year. Now, is that causation or correlation? Go into the data and have a look. But for me, I think, Titch gives you a little bit of confirmation bias either way you look at it, isn't it? You can just see his basement is a 105. His ceiling is a 130 in terms of an average. He's priced somewhere in the middle. Hedge your bets. He's a captain option most weeks. I mean, they need him. They need support around the kids. Yeah, I mean, all in on Titch. He'll be the number one mid. I can see that line of thought. Or you can look at it the other side and go, Sam Mitchell's going to try to advance this rebuild as fast as possible. And so it will be, like you said, the Newcombs, the Warples, these guys, along with the Wards and the McDonald's and McInnes, coming in and taking over 
and Titch over the year sliding less and less into prominence. I still don't see a world where he drops under 100, regardless of those two narratives. But those are the two competing thought processes coaches have this preseason. Exactly. And like, I don't know whether I'm underselling Hawthorne a little bit because, I mean, they're actually not a bad team on paper. They've got no. really good up-and-comers coming through. They've got guys like Gunston coming back. Sicily I mean, back. If these guys stay on the park, this, this team's actually... You know, they're going to be around the mark, you know, for competing to finals. So there yeah. may be a little bit of a narrative around, um, well, Hawthorne might actually be alive long into the season. Like, there's no reason why not. We saw what Essendon did last year and everyone put a line through them. So I, I'm one of those ones that go, you know what? You don't fail because of something you know. Correct. Rightio. So in these situations, I go, well, Tom Mitchell, I don't care what the price tag is, okay? I know he's an absolute beast. And once you've got him, you got him. Exactly. I know that he's a freak, okay? And he may start slow. He may not. Explode. Who knows how this yeah. works? He may just go bang from word go. But I don't want to fail by knowing that he's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, that's sort of how I'm like leaning towards this guy. I'm yeah. sort of like, you know, in Dream Team AFL Fantasy, I just think you, you don't go against what you know unless yeah. there's a clear reason why. To go against another way, yeah. Unless Sam Mitchell comes out in tomorrow, and often this is the case when you do a pod and you make calls, um, then the coach comes out tomorrow and says, oh, yeah, we're going to play Sam Mitchell as back pocket. Yeah, um, thanks, Sam. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I did do that on purpose. By oh, I know you did. Nice. I know you did. But, I appreciated it. Um, the thing was, sometimes this happens, but unless, you know, something that's absolutely obvious, like, and I say this again, if there's an injury, if there's a knock on his role, yeah, what happens? I just yeah. don't see anything at this stage with Tom Mitchell. He he had the potential to be traded out of Hawthorne. If and they, they weren't chose to keep him. Well, they chose to keep him. Yeah. Now, I don't know the background to why they chose to keep him, but there was enough noise, yeah, to know there was mm. a bit of smoke around the place. So so obviously their decision was, and maybe no, there was no takers, but... Sure. They, you know, we've seen other people that get forced out, like, and get unders, you know, a cheap bargain. I don't see that happening with Tom Mitchell. And there was no disgruntled footballer no. at the end of last year. There was no stories around no. being held against his will. No. You know, and we saw that the year before with Josh Dunkley a little bit. Was That's true. Dunkley was really professional about the whole thing, but he actually went out and requested a trade to Essendon. Mm. Because he was pretty much forced, you know what I mean, to a point, you know. We didn't see any of that with Tom Mitchell, so I don't think there was much to it. So no. I don't see how his role changes, mate, when we enter 2022. I think so. I, I, I think the at best the people that are going against Tom Mitchell can hope for is a small clip off his ceiling. I think that's the best you can hope for, and that's still a 110 midfielder. I think for those choosing to start him, if you can deal with that as the worst case outcome is a five to six point regression, 
while you know that he was pushing that 130 average over the last 11 games of the year, and you go, I see the upside, and I'll take the downside of a 110. Or for me, I look at Tom Mitchell and I go, look, I'd love to squeeze him into my personal super coach team, but for my structure, I just can't right now. But in dream team and fantasy, he's right in the mix. And I don't see a world where I don't have him across the formats by season's end. Something would have to drastically change to make that. And the biggest problem is, is his ceiling. When he yeah. has a day out, he goes <laughs> on a massive day out. 170. Yeah. Like, I mean, you only need to have a 170, like in, you know, a two or three week block. And you could go 100 and 100 and you're still going okay. Yeah, you're going 135 over that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see what I mean? Like, so it's, it's like, I don't know where you did your maths, by the way, MJ, but it's uh, not right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm not going to advocate for my school at this point, no. <laughs> but Tom Mitchell's ceiling is so high yeah. that at any point in time against any opposition, he could get 140 and blow what you were thinking was going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't want to go to a week-to-week decision around, especially in Dream Team and mm. AFL Fantasy, and play the break-even game where you're, you're really throwing darts at a dartboard in the dark room. Like, you're just hoping for the best outcome. Yeah. So, guys I, like this, I just don't like going against guys like this, but I also don't want to convince people that you just absolutely lock him in. Yeah, because like, of previous history. There's enough there that if you're looking for a reason not to pick him, you can feel justified. Also, there's also enough there to suggest he's been what he's been and he's going to be around that mark again in in 2022. I I think he's a fascinating player to look at. We couldn't not have him this high in the 50 most relevant. Um, I think he's going to be a season-defining player for a lot of coaches, and I'm very intrigued to see where he sits on the rankings by round six and eight. That is going to be a fascinating place. And that's going to be it, isn't it? And so, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to throw out a reason why not to select him. Again. Yeah, please, now, go I've for it. I've said this many, many times before. Like, sometimes people like to own players they love to watch. Yes. So if you love Jack Steele, for instance, okay, and you love Sam Walsh, well, you may not be able to have enough midfield spots to fit in. Tom Mitchell, when you start thinking, well, if I want to throw in a couple of value options like a Matt Crouch or a Matt Rowell or whatever else, and then you have a sneaky one that always appears in this preseason cup, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to call it the Maynard Cup anymore because I think yeah, Maynard... We, we, yeah, you jinxed him. Game. You jinxed him. You yeah. need to find another one, yeah. Yeah, but like that's the, that's the scenario where you don't necessarily have to start with Tom Mitchell. Okay, and you don't have to look at that. And then you're just, you're hoping for the best, yeah? Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Um, And where he goes on drafts is interesting for me, both in single and keeper leagues. Um, I I think if you're in an ultimate footy AFL fantasy scoring format, he'll be in that first handful of players picked off, off the draft board. People will remember how good he was last year. And if you've got a front four, five, six picks in the draft, he'll be there. And, and I think in some people's eyes, he's in a consideration for the number one pick overall. While in Supercoach, 
probably drifts another five to 10 picks, just given that there's a few extra rucks you're going to consider, maybe a few more other midfielders that are a little bit of ahead of, of him. He, he's a late first to mid second selection in Supercoach in a single season. But Rids, I'm keen on your take about a keeper league. Where, not just where does he go, but for a coach that owns him, if they were to consider moving him on, what's something that is a compensation they should be considering? So, I mean, this year's draft is very, very strong. Mm. So, if I was to move Tom Mitchell this year, I'd be looking at two first top 10 picks. Yes. Okay, so I could try and potentially get a Dacos or uh, Horn Francis or, you know, um, a Ward whether it's a Hobbs, there's enough quality midfielders, young midfielders in this draft, mm. and they're over 10 years. They're 10-year players, okay? Yeah. All of them. You know, even Aramis, he's, he's absolute. Matthew Johnson's going to be a real good player. Mm. But there's a heap of them. There's abs- and I, that's why I'm saying two top 10 picks because – I would be going, you know what, I could get rid of a 28, 29-year-old midfielder, you know, and I could bring in two 18-year-olds. Yes, you may lose a bit of points, but if you're doing a rebuild, then you're not really looking for points at that aspect. So, Yeah, I think that's... It's interesting, and you might even look for a combination of, you might look for one of those higher-end picks and maybe a third-year breakout option that, you know, Noah Anderson type of player that you might try to get a pairing to get you there. It's going to be interesting to see what people do. So there's another way as well, MJ, with um, a keeper league, there's potential here that you could actually do a direct swap for a guy like Callum Mills. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. Like, I mean, Tom Mitchell, whilst he's he's got a lot of value on the open market, right he does. Now, and to the point of probably being overvalued, um, you could actually sell him high. There's a chance here that you can pick up someone like a Callum Mills type. I'm not going to just say Callum Mills. You know, four or five years younger, same potential to score, absolute clear role in that midfield. Like someone like a Callum Mills would absolutely be a beast. Now, there's also potential that you could potentially look at someone like a Tim Taranto, who may have had a more down year than last year, maybe questions around whether he's going to be forward, what's his role, or maybe you absolutely love someone like a Harry Schoenberg, okay, from Adelaide, and you know that apparently all report is absolutely flying, he's going to be taken to the next level. So you might go, you know what, I might be able to get a Harry Schoenberg and I might be able to get another quality midfielder like, let's just say Jacob Popper. Um, Yep. Heaps of options about how you skin the cat, really, isn't there? Yeah, but I just think you don't take unders, okay? This is the time to cash in for these guys when there's a lot of value around. I think that's some really good advice. Hey, mate, as always, appreciate your work on this and every other podcast we've had you on so far in the 50 Most Relevant. Too easy. If you want to go and read the article on Tom Mitchell, it is online for you now at coachespanel.com. TV. The links to join our Patreon supporter group, that is also for you there for just a couple of bucks a month. You can get additional uh, hidden group access, extra podcasts, uh, some team reveals, um, and a heap of other hidden information that we don't share with the rest of the public, 
but our Patreons get, oh, and you get some cash league prizes as well. So definitely worth you checking out. If you've loved what you've got from the panel in 2022 so far, consider becoming a Patreon member. And uh, it does help us do what we do every single day here at Coach's Panel. Tomorrow, we enter single digits. And I won't say this player's name, but all I'll do is this. He's one of the easiest no-brainer picks of 2022. And when I hear people say, oh, I'm not starting him for insert reason. On the inside, I smile and I'm happy to let them go against him. I don't see in a world you don't start him. Who is he? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.